So Gurren Lagann, that wonderful, perfect show <laughs> with no flaws. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so episode four is infamous. Everyone, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. E- even its most like um, dedicated following mm-hmm. admits episode four, bit of a bit of a rough spot, bit of a spot yes. where you're like, it's like, just push through it. Um, you know, with with this much time having passed, I think I can almost say. Episode four might be utterly inconsequential save for the introduction of the black siblings which sucks yeah. because that's kind of a big thing <laughs> yeah it it definitely uh it definitely doesn't really do anything else yeah like the the supposed lesson about combining to this day i'm not exactly sure what what the lesson is like I mean, was it was it? It has to be stylish, or was it? It has to be cool. It has to be full of manly energy. Like, well, I, there were a number of times that I chuckled in the episode. Um, oh yeah, there but, there's some funny jokes. There, there's but, good comedic relief, but uh, the directing is horrible. Oh yes, the directing is horrible. The animation is all over the place. Yeah, the animation is is the weakest part, and it only it only looks great when it goes to the already animated sequence where they combine, and it's like you suddenly see the the cool on model versions of Simon and Kamina inside the cockpits, and it looks awesome, and then you're immediately kicked back. Right. And then like the blatant reuse of animation. And yeah. Uh, the fact that for some reason Gurren doesn't have feet. He's just got stumps like the mech is walking around mm. on stumps. Mm-hmm. Which is not what that mech does. It was so weird. It was so weird. But uh, it, yeah, I the- was- <laughs> If I, I I can't remember what train of thought I was going on to, but I, I really mm-hmm. want to stress the direction is so bad. Like, if you want to talk about, uh, you know, show don't tell, that's, you know, when when there's a big a big issue with that, it's oh kind of like, gosh. oh, I can understand that being a problem. Like, maybe you just, maybe you didn't have the time and you had to drop this in some, some exposition. Mm-hmm. But this is like the weirdest things to show or to tell instead of show and some things they just don't show at all like there's one point where i was like i was noticing i can't focus on anything going Mm -hmm. on because they repeatedly break the 180 degree rule and they don't break it in ways that are like effective they do it with sudden uncomfortable and awkwardly framed close-ups where things are just now going in a different direction and you never get like any establishing shot to show like mm-hmm. what the battlefield looks like. Right. Or if you do, it continuously uh, is moving or changing. It's the opposite. It's the opposite of the viral fight. Right. <laughs> like, like it doesn't start wide and getting close. It does the opposite. Like the way the right. black siblings are introduced is with these uncomfortable close ups that cut off more than half of their faces and cram them in the corner, mm-hmm. which is like. I don't I don't understand what the director was going for, which it should be noted. This is the one episode this guy directs. So maybe 
That's uh, hilarious. It's probably for good reason. <clears throat> but there's there's a part where it's like in the middle of the fight with like the beastmen. I have a feeling like, I know that this was the part that I wanted to say too. So keep going. It, it kind of it, it tries to sneak by, but I had to pause it, and I was like that. That just happened. I never noticed it happening before. I think before my first reaction was, I really don't like this animation style. The other one's better. So that's enough to have all of the other small details go by because mm -hmm. I've already decided I don't like it. Mm -hmm. But this time where Simone is on the ground. Yup. <laughs> and, and and he's like kind of kind of going in and out. But he hears Yoko like in the distance telling him to like get up and move. And, and it shows him kind of come to. And then it cuts to this really cramped, like almost telescopic shaky cam view of uh, Yoko riding on the back of that dog with Keaton. With Keaton, yeah. And, and and they then say, oh, look, he's running look, away. He's running. <laughs> and it's like we were just looking at him. Could we not? Be shown him getting up and running away. <laughs> and uh, this made me think of a, a scene in Keep Your Hands Off Isaac Hen where uh, there's like a it's almost like the plot of one of the episodes where mm -hmm. the the girl that's all about like human animation mm -hmm. is talking about how she's like, you have to show the scene where she stumbles and then gets back up because those small details while like being uh you know they you just don't even notice them in real life if you mm -hmm. see them in animation they have the most impact because they keep saying they need to only show like the big scenes but she's like we need to show the character stumble and then get back up like she's really fighting for this and it's one of those situations where in any other episode of Gurren Lagann it would show Lagon like scramble to get back onto it or scramble to get back on its feet and then start moving. Right. Because right. that's exactly what we see plenty of times is like Lagon, you know, with that low center of gravity, just sort of like scrambling on the ground and stuff. <laughs> it's something they really like to animate. And I think it's because it has impact. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it's got that. And of course, with this studio of Gynax. They always have that kind of uh, uh, bouncy spark. Like they've got yeah. this energy going through all the small movements, which is different from everyone else's. But when they do show the small movements, they always have this really like direct squash and stretch feel mm -hmm. where there's like this, this real like tensile feel to everything. Uh, and it's just not yeah. present in episode four at all. It's just gone. Yeah, and then <clears throat> the way that they completely undermined the brotherly combining with them being hungry, and then, like, then they eat, and then now it is back to it all being about brotherly combining. <laughs> yeah, they had two... They had two major problems that they were trying to make the, the thing. Mm -hmm. Uh... And it's not clear which one was more important than the other one. Uh, right. And also, if the point was to show that it needs to like. The, the, here's the thing. The other thing I thought maybe the lesson could have been was that the fact that it's brotherly combining and not 
like uh, a leader and his goons combining that the mm-hmm. other guys were using. So it was like Kamina and Simone are like fighting on the same level as brothers. So that's why theirs is more effective. That could have been it, especially some lines they say later in the episode. I don't remember exactly yeah. how they communicated it, but it's Lee like Ron was talking about uh, there being um, like significant <clears throat> bonds between like the people who are combining rather than just them coming together. Yeah. And like the, the smaller beastmen were just like following orders. Mm-hmm. There's doing what the mustachioed one said and the mustachioed one. As soon as like they start saying that uh, Gurren Lagann looked cool, like their combination looked cool. Then he starts getting. Wow, like, we that was wicked awesome. <laughs> yeah, he he starts like that's like the thing that gets him on his back foot where he's like, right. oh, my men think the enemy is cooler than I am. And I'm like, OK, so that could be something. But but I'm not entirely sure. And if it was about style points, I can't know because we don't even get to see what was different <laughs> about what this episode has no style point. Yeah, we don't get to see what was different about Simone combining in that way versus the other way. And it was still yet undermined by the fact that Simone does the correct thing on accident. Mm-hmm. So it totally undercuts him like growing and learning the lesson. And, right. And the lesson that he did learn was that dodging the rocks made it easy for him to dodge the other <laughs> beastman attacks, which I was like, OK, that was funny. And that would have been a great kind of midpoint sequence where it's like, oh, we thought he got it and he didn't. And then, you know, that's also a situation where you laugh as a viewer, because most of the time you're the one following along with Simone, the main character. Mm-hmm. And then when he gets it wrong in a way that you, the viewer, obviously know is wrong, that's funny because right. you're expecting you and him to be on the same page. And then uh, seeing Kamina's reaction where it's like, oh, now you're actually more on Kamina's side, even though you have no idea what Kamina wants of him either. Right. <laughs> Those are fun. And I'm sure in the script, this worked much better. <clears throat> but the direction yeah. is a disaster. And there's multiple points where the animation is just it's just bad. Like it's terrible composition, like where the lip flaps. Yeah. The the way people's mouths move is is really annoying. And there's one part where Simone's in a full sprint in Lagon where it's mm-hmm. he's supposed to be animated talking, but it's three frames that it's cycling through. And Simone is moving at a, to a different point in all of them. Mm. Like, and and his mouth is only open in one and it's always open in one. So it's not a situation where we have sort of, you know, the the character rig that is mm-hmm. in place and, the mouth and rig, has the different yeah. mouth rigs. And then they just kind of move those around to show motion. It's like, no, his mouth is open on frame three and in frame one <laughs> and two, they it's closed. So. The fact that he's doing like a full sentence while running, it's just it's very distracting. In a, of course, we're used to the way that anime is that the anime tends to animate uh, right. dialogue, which is something that, you know, most people in America, at least have to adjust to. There's like an adjustment mm-hmm. period to that because it's it's nothing like how uh, Western animation does it. They do it backwards compared to us. <clears throat> mm-hmm. 
where they animate the whole scene. They have the dialogue segments and then they just match the mouth to uh, the voice acting that is then done after the fact. Right. So. It's already, you know, an adjustment, but then this it's like, oh, that you're doing that wrong. Like you've done the thing that I've accepted is different. <laughs> you're now doing that part <laughs> wrong, too. And I don't know if it's like a situation where this had to be uh, like, I don't know, given to a B team as the the A team worked on something else, which you kind of get that feeling a little bit. What with the uh, all of the recapping that comes soon after. Yeah, I had forgotten. <clears throat> OK, so r- quick note. You have to remember uh, Kill a Kill was a big deal when it did that. Right. When it was right. like, oh, this is going beyond Gurren Lagann. Like they're they're really going all in on. No, we are the best. <laughs> yeah, I, the uh, the notes that I put for these episodes was for episode four. It was, yep, this episode. And then <laughs> for five, it was, I forgot these episodes were back to back. And then for six, it was, <laughs> for six, it was, boy, howdy. I didn't remember that all three of these were back to back. Yeah, no, these three episodes are the part where people who love this series, who, who've watched it multiple times and tell everyone to watch it. Four through six are those episodes where they don't remember them until they start them. And then they're like, oh, yeah, these. <laughs> I mean, four, everyone remembers because it's so bad. Right. But but five. Five, we have vague like inklings of. Five. I remember five being like slow. That's what I remember mm-hmm. about five. Mm-hmm. Um. It is a situation where I, I can look at it now, knowing knowing more, knowing knowing more of what I know, and kind of knowing how other shows pace their things. Because we get, people listening got to remember this was our what this was like our second anime. Yeah, the first one being Devil May Cry. Right, Devil May Cry, which I I haven't really watched since then, but I've learned it is infamous for its pacing issues. That mm. adaptation. So it'd be interesting to watch again because I haven't touched it since we watched it either. Huh? I think you should play the games <laughs> first <laughs> and then, you know, come back to it because there's I, I, I've also I remember there was plenty of points where I got a bigger reaction to something than you did. And it was because I, I played the game. But um, gotcha. Gotcha. Anyway, uh, th- yeah, this was our second anime. So. This was back when, like, it was hard. It was hard for me to articulate anything that was wrong with Gurren Lagann because everything that was good was completely new to me and completely over the top. Like nothing that I had experienced could compare. I would still say that that is more or less true. There's been very mm-hmm. little that can compare. Like, definitely the thing that comes closest is Kill a Kill, mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. It's the exact same group of people making it. <clears throat> but as far as like pacing I didn't really have much to compare it to at the time and mm-hmm. looking at it now not just for like the the speed but the kind of content that is there it's no mystery to me now why the movie more or less skips through in montage sequences yeah like episode 4 5 and 6 like, 
you really just get little snippets in the introduction of Gimme and Dari and Rossiu is kind of like, well, those are I mean, at least Rossiu is an extremely important character. Right. But this episode, it introduces him. But his involvement and his like dynamic with Simone is not present yet. Like, yeah, I I forgot how limited his involvement was, even in like his own episode. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because the episode is about him. Yeah. Like Kamina, Simone, Yoko. Actually, Yoko probably learns more than Simone or Kamina do. Mm-hmm. Because Yoko has it's basically just one scene where Yoko is asked to cover up and she feels like annoyed or embarrassed. But then after she covers up, then the reaction from Kamina almost makes her like, OK, I get it. <laughs> or she's like, I'm going to stay covered up now. <clears throat> so that was like, you know, at least some sort of change. In Mm -hmm. Yoko's perspective, whereas like Kamina and Simone have almost no reaction to the events of this episode whatsoever. Rossiu, of course, has a reaction, but it's almost just reaction. Like Rossiu is more or less just a reactionary hero. It would have been totally different if he because it shows him running to the idol. Like, yeah, thinking he's going to pilot it, but then it it moves and it's. Uh, <clears throat> Father what's his face doing it instead And you get the right. feeling that he knew But to me It's more interesting if Rossiu Who has been now being given these seeds Of doubt in starting to see it Happen in front of him and like in this moment Of danger he's like Okay I'm gonna go try it And it also would have been a better Place to put Rossiu Learning how to pilot a gunman Rather than off camera In episode 6 where he's just in Gurren. Yeah, off camera, and then we see him <laughs> waving. Yeah, and it's like, is Gurren waving? <laughs> but it's like, no, Rossiu is now piloting Gurren. He's like, oh, I just did what you said. And it's like, <sighs> the episode six is the most fun that I had with these oh, three. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, it's like eight minutes of actual new content. Crowded with 22 minutes of 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 recap straight up it'd be one thing to be recap it basically redoes episode one for you right and then and it does that after it redoes the episode five like Mm -hmm. the previous episode with rossio like it just does that one again with voiceover and then it does episode one with limited voiceover which i'm gonna admit i just started skipping through because i'm like i I did the same thing i did the same yeah it's like all right i I probably don't i'm probably not gonna get anything from this at this point i probably will not yeah if if there was uh the only thing that i really like heard i would skip through it until i heard the voiceover and i would listen to the voiceover to see if they added anything more but they really Most don't time they didn't. But uh, Simone did say at one point, having eyes in front means that you see the backs of the people's ahead of you. And it's kind of like the the standing on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. Like you get to see the paths ahead of you. That's also a uh, visual motif that runs throughout the right. series where it's like right. there's this contradiction where even though Kamina and Simone are OK, well, I, I guess at least even though Kamina stresses 
that Simone is like his his brother and they're on the same level. He mm-hmm. is following the example of Kamina. And then mm-hmm. that is something that kind of, you know, develops later on into meaning a few a few different things for a few different characters, which right. you know, we're definitely gonna get into. But I oh guess boy. I guess that is a kind of uh uh a, a expressing of that motif mo- motif by a character in the show rather than it just being visual subtext. I don't know yeah. if that's hundred percent necessary. I think as a visual no. medium, visual subtext is always superior. I mean, also like recaps are not necessary. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's terrible to, to bury it beneath the rubble of a recap, but, uh, eh. anyway, um, <clears throat> that is kind of jumping forward to episode six. And right. I do want to continue talking about episode five a little bit because I yeah, remember yeah, yeah. episode five. Now this was, th- this is going to get into some, you know, personal stuff. Probably not everyone watching this, especially not now is going through the same mm-hmm. thing because this was definitely a season that, uh, humans went to or went through that they're not necessarily going through now. But I remember at the time watching this, which was, I want to say 2011, 2010, 2011, Run then something like that yeah we, we caught it like two years after it was done airing and it was done airing i think it started airing in 2008 and then ended in 2009 mm. but anyway uh i was actually surprised how soon we got to it but uh yeah concerning we just weren't really watching anime anyway right um i remember watching this episode And my current idea of supposedly what my own belief system was, was it almost felt like it was relevant to what this episode was about, Mm -hmm. which is ironic looking at it now where I'm like, oh, this is just a cult. Like, why would I why would I feel threatened by this? But like, I think a lot of people in my same spot were going through the same season around that time in history because that was back when like you know anyone going to college like i was was just now running into this saturation of like the internet where it was all new atheism mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you know new atheism like uh sam harris and uh uh what's his face richard dawkins if i just name dropped another freak then i apologize but I'm pretty sure it's Richard Dawkins, unless I'm confusing it with some psychopath, which I this is not the first time I've done that, where I've tried to say some other name and then say a name that you're not supposed to say. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's like th- those were two of what were called the four horsemen. All of their arguments are like really surface level and childish. Mm-hmm. And it's like. Yes, they deserve to shake up the people that they shake up. Like if if anyone is getting shaken up by their arguments, which are just like uh, fatally materialistic and like have mm-hmm. zero nuance to them whatsoever, like you deserve to be shaken up. Like, yes, you, you were not you were not much of a believer. But uh, yeah, I remember getting kind of a similar feeling from this, but it was after I had already been shaken up a couple times where it's like, eh, mm. this is just what media, this is just how media sees religion was how I yeah. was, I was uh, summing it up to myself. Uh, and then this is, this happens a few times later in um, Nakashima's writing. The He, he writes um, 
Kill a Kill, a Promare, and then uh, Back Arrow. Right. And yeah. he does kind of have this through line of at least... I mean, for one, the major thing is he has skepticism for collectivism. But then he also yeah. presents his own alternative to collectivism. But he also routinely seems to have a a big skepticism for organized religion. Mm-hmm. I don't. I wouldn't consider this an example of organized religion. <laughs> like, yeah, looking back <laughs> to it now, it's like, nah, this is a small group of desperate people, and uh, this was the one guy who had any answers, and uh, this is literally idolatry too. So. Right. They actually called it the idol, which I thought was funny, or, well, at least in the <laughs> yeah, English. No, OK, so <laughs> that moment I was like, that's funny and it wouldn't happen <laughs> like that. That's uh, either maybe like a translation issue or just a situation where it's like this is playing telephone because yeah. that's a concept that is only better assumed long after idolatry is like kind of been put into a box where it's like, okay, these are the signs that this is happening. You don't want to do that. Like, <laughs> and, and it reminds me of, um, I, I tried to watch, uh, the last duel. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You were telling me, <laughs> or you, you sent me a little bit about that. Yeah. Probably the worst film I've ever seen. And I can, Yeesh. I can say that confidently. Ridley Scott is incapable of making good films. It's been a long time but he's done so much irredeemable garbage in a row that um, it's, it's not going to happen again. Um, that ship's passed. But uh, it, it's a very interesting thing to talk about because mm-hmm. it, it, it really does run the gamut of everything that could possibly be wrong with a story. Where, you oh, know, it, it does all the things where it's like, it almost, it gives you... Hmm. Now, I'm not going to recommend anyone spend money on this filth, but it might be a great kind of profound example of uh, mm-hmm. the difference between how stories are told well and then how you undermine that story and how that mm. makes it bad. Because it does this. OK, if I could just put it simply. The movie is already bad because it's another Western director missing the point of one of Akira Kurosawa's amazing movies and just doing it wrong. Like, so The Magnificent Seven, mm. especially the remake, I don't give the uh, the first one so much grief because it genuinely seems like a situation where it was an honest misunderstanding, but everyone worked working on it, believed in it and thought it was a good lesson and mm. did their best. So the original Magnificent Seven is a good Western, but it is it is nothing compared to the Seven Samurai. It it simply is not it's not comparable. Mm-hmm. Mostly because what the Seven Samurai accomplishes is you have three factions, and at first you're led to believe these are the innocents, these are the heroes, these are the bad guys. And the heroes right. are going to protect the innocents from the bad guys. But by the end of the movie, you've been shown that the samurai are essentially the victims. The farmers used them for protection and aren't even going to pay them. Hmm. And and the bandits, you also learn uh, if you have 
better context of the period that it's talking about, like in Japanese history. It's like they they call them bandits, but any Japanese person who like, you know, knew history and was watching the movie soon finds out who the bandits are. And it's like, oh, yeah, these are all of the soldiers who have been trained to do nothing else. And now uh, Japan's like warring period is over forever. And they now have nothing to do. They have no skills. They have like mm. no no families. They they only all they can do is violence. So what they do is every year they go to the different farms and say, you have to give it. You have to give us food. <laughs> and like, that's how they eat. <clears throat> that sucks. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a great story. Uh, and, and it's also good because the the big story like that is not the main appeal. The big mm-hmm. the big draw is still the main character who kind of occupies this place where he can relate to all three of the different factions and like the ending. And then like the final shot and his reaction to the final shot is like it's seven samurai is a classic. Uh, it's like immortal. I can recommend it to anyone. Uh, if you don't want to watch it because it's black and white, and it's too long. Then uh, you're you're not you don't deserve to have opinions. But uh, <laughs> there's another going to sprinkle that in there. Right. It's like if that's going to stop you, then uh, don't bother, man. Go, go watch. Uh, go watch a sitcom. Go watch Friends. Oh, yes, please go do that. Please go watch Friends. Please cut yourself out of anything meaningful. OK, so uh, Kurosawa has multiple incredible movies. Seven Samurai is just one of them. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he did one called Rashomon, which was the, as far as I know, I could be wrong about this. I don't want to be too much of a weeb where I, you know, start attributing everything good that has ever happened to someone that's <laughs> Japanese. I don't want to do that. <laughs> but Akira Kurosawa, as far as I know, had the first uh, film version of this sort of storytelling where you tell the same story multiple times from different perspectives. And okay. the way that he did it is almost kind of an iteration on what he does with Seven Samurai, where <clears throat> you get the first story and you are being almost too obviously given an example of like, OK, who are the victims? Who are the heroes? Who's the bad guys? You know, who's the who's the perpetrator? Mm-hmm. And, and you're catching up on this. You're like, OK, I know that I'm being led to believe this. Then you get the second story and then the third story. And you're starting to like think, okay, I thought what I was going to learn would be that, oh, no, the opposite is true. But then you're learning, okay, maybe it's not quite the opposite. And then you're getting more information that you had no idea about. And it's like, not only do I not know who the good guys, the bad guys or the victims are, I, I I'm not even sure what happened now because they start to contradict each other more. And it's like, well, which character do I trust more? I I just realized that I barely know these people. I hardly spend any time with them. It was mm. just like these people were acting like heroes earlier, and I'm used to assuming that those are heroes. And uh it's you know, it's it's one of those things that has been um imitated a million times ever since mm-hmm. like um what's that movie called uh vantage point yep that's that's uh one of the better examples 
of trying Good to old Dennis. <laughs> right. Oh man. That poor guy's career. But yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> it's just Dennis. If anyone doesn't know which Dennis we're talking about, it's like, ah oh, yes, Dennis. Nothing against anyone named Dennis, but your name makes me laugh just because the name was a punchline of a homesurrender.com joke that ended up being somewhat long running. So like when I hear the name Dennis, it makes me think of that punchline. But anyway, um, that was one of the better examples of someone trying to imitate this. I would still say not quite getting it because the thing about Western storytelling, which maybe this is the reason you make it. Maybe this mm-hmm. is why you make it in a Western storytelling sense is to give it, put it in this different uh, orthodoxy. Like, hey, that's a cool idea. What if it lacked nuance? <laughs> uh, and I'm not necessarily against that. I mean, I, I like stories that have good guys, bad guys, and, uh, you know, the, the people that they are saving. Matter of fact, right. I love those. I might I might prefer them. Oh, yeah. But if you're ripping off Kurosawa, you probably should know what you're ripping off and then at least try to do the work to explain why you're doing it differently and kind of make it clear what you're providing by doing it differently. And the last duel does not do this. The last duel, like the remake of Magnificent Seven, the one that came out somewhat recently, uh, it is why it is indefensible. Like it is just taking a story that is about nuance and the different perspectives and how you, it, it's hard to know who the bad guys are and it's hard to know who the good guys are and converts that into a vehicle for utterly black and white propaganda. Mm. And it's one thing if, you know, you're turning, you're making a black and white story in order to uh, inspire and encourage and uh, teach people good values. I think black and white stories are great for that. It's good for give, It's good to give people a heroic person that you think they mm-hmm. should imitate. That's great. But um, this was not that. This is a situation where you start off with the implication of Rashomon, where it's like, oh, I'm not sure who's right or who's telling the truth. And it does something pretty interesting, I would say, where I was like, okay, this mm-hmm. could have been an interesting wrinkle on what Rashomon does, where you get three perspectives. The first one is the typical hero. It's like, okay, this is the heroic character from the medieval story that, you know, we would actually want to watch. Right. Then it's like, okay, here's that exact same story, but from the supposed villain's character, but he's being portrayed as an anti-hero. So you're not getting, oh, I'm the good guy. You're getting, well, I'm, I'm all right, (laughs) is what you're getting. Mm -hmm. It's like, this guy's perspective is, yeah, I did some wrong things, but I'm not, I'm not evil even though you can tell he does have a pretty warped perspective where the, mm-hmm. the evil thing he does being um, rape, <laughs> you can tell it's like, well, at Yikes. the time, at the time it was more acceptable to be fair, which it was <laughs> like not, not discounting that, <laughs> but you can tell that he thinks like it says the, it, like the, the chapter starts like the truth according to blank. And uh, Mm. there's at one point where he's defending himself to one of his friends where he does say she gave the customary um, protest. But he's he's like, but I didn't rape her. And it's like, okay, 
The movie has done the work to show that there is a such thing as a customary protest. And this guy, uh, no one has ever rejected him. So this would be Mm. strange for him. And he is very warped and doesn't (laughs) exist in the real world. Like the hero does. The hero does exist in the real world. Hmm. But then the third perspective starts. And it says the truth according to which is the hero's wife, which is who the anti-hero or the villain raped. It starts the story with this title card or says chapter three, the truth according to blank. But then all of that fades away and it just shows the truth. And it's like, OK, so all nuance is out the window now. So you you're already telling me before the rest of this even continues that the first two are not real. Yeah, so also now in doing that, you've kind of wasted my time. <laughs> yes, I, and that's what I realized. I was like, so the first two versions of this was filler at best and propaganda at worst. <laughs> and I, I'm not sure which makes me more angry. I do, I do hate propaganda, <laughs> but filler, not even the best propagandist would commit filler. And, and it is it's definitely true. What, it's definitely what Ridley Scott has committed. Whether like and it's like, actually, you know what? Whether it's propaganda or not, it was filler no matter what. So hmm. it's like the first two thirds of the movie is a complete waste of time, even more so that it's making you watch the same scenes twice. But there's like one scene in particular, which is like uh, when, when the hero and his former friend are like making amends for a, uh, a previous slight mm-hmm. where uh, he, he like brings his wife to this, some sort of festival. And uh, you know, he, he goes in and shakes hands with the guy when he's like, you know, let there be no quarrel among the King's men. You know, the King needs all, all the help he can get. Right. And uh, you know, they, they kind of make up in that respectable way. And from the hero's perspective, he's the one that says that from the, villain's perspective he's the one that says that line and you're like at that point it's like okay this this is kind of interesting and then you're getting the perspective from the wife and neither of them say it yet they shake hands and then some guy in the corner says that as like part of the crowd that's celebrating and i'm like okay so why because (sighs) Why would either of these guys say, oh, I I said this? Why would they get that in their head? Because the results are exactly the same. The actual events that play out are identical. Why why is Ridley Scott so concerned with this little trivial bit of like, oh, I get credit for this? And it's like, oh, it's because he's really concerned with making every male character in this movie look petty and like they have a bruised ego. Mm-hmm. And that none of them are like valuable as the the person that they think they are. <clears throat> uh, it then when it, when it's showing her her perspective, her husband who used to be the hero of the story is shown as like incompetent, uh, nervous, stuttering, and it's like okay, why did I watch the previous version of this character? And then like the male characters that it lionizes are the ones that he browbeats who are just taking it. And it's like, why are these guys being made to look more noble for taking abuse 
from who you are trying to tell me is an incompetent, uh, impetulant little child. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's like uh, this is probably going nowhere special because the climax that you're given a snippet of at the very beginning of the movie is a duel between the hero and the villain. You know, the, the hu- yeah. her husband and uh, the guy that raped her. And it's like, okay, well, that's going to be big and dramatic because there's a protagonist that I'm rooting for. And, you know, I, I want him to win for the mm-hmm. same reason. Like, I want him to live because I also want her to live. And, and like, I want the bad guy to be brought to justice. But by now, that whole scene is like, okay, so so two petty losers are going to go at it. Like, you made it to where the climax, I don't care about either, I don't care about any of the people involved. And you've wasted most all of my time. Jeez. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it's an impressively bad movie. Like, probably example setting. Needs to be an example of exactly how to make the worst movie possible. I can only imagine that it has good ratings. Oh, yes. Oh, critics adore it. Of course they do. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, that goes without saying. Uh, if If a critic likes a movie, you stay away from it, dude. It's no good. Same thing with uh, video games. There was uh, an article. uh, I I say an article because it was not a review. There was an article published about Metroid Dread, which I'm not even really excited to play Metroid Dread. Mm -hmm. As much as I like Metroid, uh, Mm -hmm. I I have learned to be honest with myself and that... uh, I'm not a 2D Metroid guy. I like the 2D Metroids, but Metroid Prime is why I love the series. Mm-hmm. And this ain't this ain't Prime. But uh, the the article was written saying that uh, it was like it praises Metroid Dread for being you know a quality product, but then it spends the rest of the time cutting it down and cutting down this this toxic culture of difficult game design where it was like there was actually a gotcha that it thought it had where it was saying if you're struggling with a certain section of Metroid Dread, you have no recourse. It's like you can't lower the difficulty or choose to skip or anything like that. It's like you just have to assume that eventually you're going to beat that or you're going to beat that boss. And it's like, yeah, (laughs) it's like, yeah, that that's what video games are. Are are you new to these? And it's like, yeah, he probably is, because I think the dude's like 23 and it's like mm. he probably did not play video games when he was a kid. He's a writer that is now having to get work as a games journalist, and he doesn't want to play the video game. And plenty of other video games have been happy to play themselves for him so that they can get good publicity. But right. uh, Metroid Dread is, has been developed by a video game developer, uh, a.k.a. they don't work for Sony. Um it's Mercury Steam. They made uh, Samus Returns. They also made uh, Castlevania Lords of Shadow, that series. All of which people mm. have issues with, but they are video games. And mm-hmm. if you're bad at them, they don't, not, they don't let you continue. It's like you have, to, right. you have to play the video game in order to get to the end of it. But uh, yeah, no, uh, anyone who is a critic only, he basically can discard anything they say. 
Yeah, I, I actually did just see uh, one thing that said the last duel is more than just unsuccessful Oscar bait. Ooh, so. really? Who was that from? I, I I bet I know why they're saying that, because here's the thing. <clears throat> when you have a propaganda film that agrees with everything you believe in and mm-hmm. it's bad. You get to just say it's bad. You don't have to point out that it's that it's propagandistic and that it's, you know, uh, gaslighting everyone in the movie theater. You can just say the movie's just bad. But the problem was when I looked at the reviews, it was across the board praise from the critics. And then here was the one that led me to the slaughter. It was across the board praise from the audience score as well. Which I'm guessing because it had um, a lot of attractive people on camera. It's a it's a it's a lot of attractive people who uh, have proven that they're good actors and are acting the way that they are being directed. (laughs) So. So I just uh, I just this is a very long article and I skimmed to the bottom to see if there was some like in summary paragraph. Mm. Um, And he said, at this point, you'll probably want to know the movie The Last Duel. Oh, he was talking about the last duel. The answer is yes, that the last duel is good. Mm. It's like the the fight itself is what it sounds like. Oh, well, I didn't see. It. I walked out. This is the first and only time <laughs> I've ever walked out of a movie theater. I it's the first time. Nothing has ever been able to make me walk out. Like, uh, I can watch the most barrel scraping schlock and make it to the end. Like, mm. just just trash. I can watch trash. I can make it to the end of trash because I, it's fascinating. But uh, at one point, <laughs> like when I just feel like I'm uh, reliving a service job where some short pudgy woman is lecturing me on how to do my job. <laughs> Redley <laughs> Scotch. Uh, r- r- wow. Hey. I don't I don't <laughs> I don't drink, I swear. <laughs> but Ridley Scott. <laughs> has become a Karen like this is his Karen movie so okay the the paragraph before that uh what's indicated in the last duel isn't just the stubborn self-destructive vanity of two men looking for any excuse to go toe-to-toe and finding it but an intractable legal system in which church and state are locked in a death grip so it looks like he's going into the themes of the movie um Uh, I will say it it, it was shocking, uh, at least in the first two, uh, or I should say the second perspective, which, of Mm -hmm. course, the the villain is the only one that's allowed to be like in any way openly believing of Christianity. Of course. Mm. (laughs) But uh, the the first character believes in his king, which by believing in the king, you you are are a Christian because the king answers only only to God. Uh, mm-hmm. but at least in those times, yes. Yes. Oh, right. I mean, the, here's the thing. People misunderstand Kings. This is a big digression. And this is why, uh, this will come back to Gurren Lagann because this is related to Gurren Lagann as you know, the, mm. the, the position of a King, but, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> back then, uh, a King for one believed that he had to answer to a power above him and uh, behaved as such. He also was not a president. People think mm-hmm. that, that kings are just presidents with more power. It's like, 
Not necessarily. Like, a king back then really was, like, kind of what the commander-in-chief is supposed to be, which mm-hmm. is, like, the the dude that's, you know, he, he is known to, to, like, the fighting force. Like, he's not... He, he, he has been trained with a sword since he was in diapers. Like, right. I, you would not let a prince go unknowing... Like, how to defend himself with sword and board. But, uh, of course, you know, that's not the version we get. I was going to talk about this, uh, the anachronisms in it, where mm-hmm. some of the reactions some characters have in this movie is the reactions that someone in 2021 to ha- would have to these situations. These these reactions would not exist. Like, the behaviors would not exist back then. Mm. Like, it almost acts as if that the, the, the wife... Like, she's somehow carrying the knowledge from the future, which is something to imply that, you know, uh, our great world we live in now. Um, oh, boy. You know, you've been there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, well, it's, it's all... something. It's all thanks to women. <laughs> and only them. And only they could have foreseen the, the, the beautiful paradise we all occupy now. But... <laughs> Which is, hey, Ridley Scott, do you hate women? (laughs) Which is the impression I would get from this if you actually knew what you were talking about. Where was I? I was going to say the the, the anachronisms. There's uh, a few of those Mm -hmm. that will come up in Gurren Lagann. I don't know if I want to spoil them quite yet. Yeah, don't, don't. We'll get there. Uh, there, there is kind of a, a situation that's already, you know, th- th- this is a culture shock in Gurren Lagann where Viral is expecting a whole lot more of Kamina as far as he's expecting Kamina to understand their relationship, and mm-hmm. Kamina rarely even remembers Viral's name. Right. <laughs> And then, you know, that's a good joke at the end of episode six where he's like, who was this guy again? It's like their rivalry is extremely important to Viral, Mm -hmm. but uh, it's not even really something Kamina respects. Kamina respects uh, the people he goes into battle with, not so much the people he's battling. He he doesn't really see them as very important, which... Uh, okay, now I'm about to get into spoilers. I really shouldn't. Because uh, <laughs> the thing that I was about to say was like, you know, the thing that then changes. Right. Uh, and is learned from the thing that is then different. But uh, I shouldn't say that. What was I talking about? Did I actually finish my thoughts on the whole last duel thing? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of I'm 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 frustrated how much I'm talking about it. I don't think it deserves it, but uh, it it is impressive just just how wrong it gets everything, absolutely everything it gets wrong, and it gets it all impressively so. That but, would be so frustrating. Yeah, uh, and it sucks because I was lured in with the first the first perspective because it's really I should say it's really well made. Like the mm. uh, uh, well mm, the the costumes and the acting is great the makeup's great. Uh, the locations 
like the castles and the landscape uh, reeks of CGI. Like it's very obviously CGI. Mm. Like I remember it being shocking when they revealed just how much of Game of Thrones was CGI. And like you watch mm-hmm. the video where they're showing you the back and forth and it's like, that's unreal. How much of that yeah. isn't there? Well, I didn't watch Game of Thrones. And uh, but but, you know, even though it's HBO, it's still a series. So it doesn't right. have quite the budget per scene that a movie does, especially a movie that's being done by Ridley Scott, a guy who should be able to command as much money as he wants. I mean, especially considering he got all of these expensive actors for this movie. Right. But uh, there's like an, an, an establishing shot where it's like following this group of people on horses as they enter a castle. Mm-hmm. And it's like. Just. It's so uncomfortable how obviously fake and holographic looking the castle is. It's like it, it's mm-hmm. almost like you you give it this look when you're trying to show, hey, look, it's a hologram in a sci fi movie. It's like that's how fake it felt. <clears throat> <clears throat> and any kind of uh, shot where you see real practical stuff interacting with like the backgrounds it's like it's just so obviously it just looks wrong it's very green screen like people don't fit in with their environment they feel very cut out mm. which i mean hey that's what episode four of good and Lugan felt like hey yeah dude that part where keton gets in Kamina's face and Kamina does not even react his eyes even continue looking where keton was <laughs> it's like oh no the 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 one the the moment that sticks out in my mind from episode four that i will probably continue to remember even if i forget all the other contents of episode four <laughs> uh was when kamina was like let's go time to combine and then or, uh simone is like scrambling up and he just swats him down dumbass yeah i wish i knew why <laughs> I wish I knew what the what the message was at this stage, because it's funny. It almost feels like a lesson that he's relearning. Mm-hmm. And it's it's 100 percent never brought up again. Like it's yep. supposedly assumed. No, this lesson was learned and it's not going to come up again. And it's like, I don't even know what the problem was. C1 seems to be doing the same thing he was doing before. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's just now he's not hungry. <clears throat> right. Uh, yeah. So maybe hunger was the problem. Except uh, that that also never comes up again. It's like a never. Th- it's never a thing where like spiral power is tied to hunger. It's never that again. Right. It's like this is one distinction that they've given in this one bit. I mean, I guess it kind of uh, makes Buta feel like more of a character because he's like willing to sacrifice his tail so that they can. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which I always think it's funny how it comes off. Like, it's just like, like he just kind of grabs it with his mouth and and like brings off a chunk of his butt so they can eat it. And then he's like, like, you want me to eat it? clean cut. Yeah, he's like, you want me to eat this? And he's like, uh, got like his eyes are watering, like saying, yep. It's a really funny scene. I wish it was in a better episode. But uh, yeah. Episode four, I think, can be skipped in the fact that the movies basically skip it. Yeah. It, same thing with episode five. 
Yeah, and it's like you you get introduced to them again at the bathhouse. Like they they re-give their names and it's like, okay, so You're right. we can just assume that they like ran into them in the past, like off camera. But <clears throat> I'm also not sure uh what the story is of episode six. So we have episode five, and it's basically Rossi's story. The climax kind of gets taken from him. Mm-hmm. And then it ba- it all leads up to what was a pretty good joke at the end. That's something I have noticed. The, these three episodes are they do seem to be the funniest. So at least I have that uh-huh. going for them. But Five like, wasn't really the funny. I think it has some some funny parts, like the, yeah. the part where Yoko drop kicks Kamina. That was funny. Also, for some reason, I had completely forgotten forehead boy. You forgot the insult, the thing that he's yeah. calling him. I, I also like uh, in the recap, unfortunately, where he's saying uh, he's like. Oh, Simon was saying, I think I understand Ross. And he's like, you understand why he has such a big forehead at his age? And I'm like, OK, I get it because, uh, you know, hairline is like associated with age and it's like Ross, you acts way too old. Right. Uh, what I think is funny is I think his hairline shrinks. By the time they do the time, the time skip. But we aren't there yet. Mm, um, I, I, I didn't I don't think I noticed that. I don't I don't think it's like intentional. I think it's just we need to make Ross, you look cool and attractive. So we're going to shrink his, <laughs> his hairline a little bit. But uh, anyway, uh, episode five, the best part is the joke at the end <laughs> where uh, the, the the father is giving him the book. And he's mm-hmm. like, he's like. I'm sorry, sir, but you you seem to have forgotten that I can't or that I'm illiterate or no. He says, like, you know, I can't read or whatever. And he's like, oh, that shouldn't be much of a problem. I can't read either. <laughs> and it's like that actually made me laugh. And I forgot about that scene. Right. Like, that was a good moment. And then, you know, it, it kind of uh, rehumanizes him to you because it's like uh, he was doing his best with what he had and was trying to, like, preserve these people of course you know mm-hmm. uh the 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 better answer is the one that Kamina and Simone arrive at which is not just survival um or I should say Kamina arrived at and you yeah. know is kind of dragging yeah. Simone along with him still at this point then episode six happens and it's uh a, a kind of just a fun digression um I'm not sure if any character development really happens in it but it does. It does have one of the best lines in the whole show, which I forgot came from this show, which is the whole. Even if heaven, or even if heaven forgives your brutality, I can assure you, I never will. Which was Yoko, like talking into like them, like ruining all of the nice things that yeah. they did. It's just like a hot meal and a, or it was a, a hot meal and a warm bath, the two most sacred things to a young girl. And it's like that line doesn't. She pulls a gun out. <laughs> yeah, that line doesn't feel like it came from Yoko, but it's a great line. And I also remember that was like a short-lived meme, but I don't remember it being associated with Grand Lion. It was just that line was being repeated. Hmm. It's a good line. Uh, I I do have to agree. It's very millennial. That is definitely something millennials would like. It's very wordy. It's got a lot of flowery long words in it and it's a uh, very yes. over the top it's it's not doing it's not doing a lot with little but i mean at the time it definitely laid me out 
And I was oh, I yeah. was shocked to find that it was like, oh, that was from this show. I forgot. It's always nice when it's like you keep finding things that you already like in your favorite show. It's like, oh, yeah. Right. And like episode six also had some really <clears throat> like this. Uh, I had a lot of really good comedic beats. Like yes. the like Yoko, I didn't know you had children. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. That was a good spit take, too. <laughs> Just that line on its own. The bl- the black siblings get their better introduction in this one. Yeah. It's really sucks yeah. that uh, four <laughs> and five happened. And then the, the look at Rossi and and who, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> just the silence afterwards. Yeah, because he like presents his case and then they're just like, who are you? Uh, but yeah, um, it really is unfortunate how important what happens to Ross or, you know, Rossi's backstory, I guess, is really important to one of the biggest mm-hmm. conflicts later on in the show. <coughs> so it's like, yeah, ah, you really can't skip five. But um, you probably can't skip yeah. four. Episode six, I, it feels like it was a, a comedic side story that maybe leads up to what happens next. But I don't even know if it does that. I feel like if you don't watch four, you have to watch six for the black siblings introduction. Yeah, you kind of do. And, and, and so it's like one or the other. It also is the first one that establishes Ross. You as the skeptic. Mm-hmm. Which he is better suited to because up to now, Simone has been the skeptic and he's not a very good skeptic. You don't mm. you don't buy it anytime he like has it, it always comes down to fear for Simone, I guess. Yeah. And uh, you want to see him overcome it. Uh, <laughs> and at this point in the story, Simone is much better served as like the younger brother of Kamina. Yeah. So it's good to have it's good to have Rossi around. It's great to have the black siblings around, but their introductions are just it's like the roughest patches of the show. <clears throat> yeah, so it's like I feel like if you it between these three episodes, you you have to watch five because of the conflicts later on. You yeah. have and you have to choose either four or six, and I would choose six because one, it's a fun time, and also it has the better introduction for the black siblings. You can skip four. It's also got great animation. Oh yeah. Um, and it's it's just funny. Yeah. Like when he just grabs Buta and slaps him on and then just. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's all it's also funny because like he's only doing that for the camera. Like up, right. to, up to this point, the company he's been in, he hasn't cared. But then it's just just because he's going to be on camera. That's why he puts Buta to cover himself. Oh, man. And also, like, I, I really loved the moment when he was like, we should go to the moon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, th- that was a really cool bit of, like, symbolic storytelling where he says, you mean here? And he says, no, there. And he's pointing in the yeah. reflection. And then he's like, no, that one, not the reflection. Like, you have to look up. And then yeah. uh, Simo is like, I don't think all the wishful thinking in the world. And it's like, yeah, Simone ain't quite there yet. Simone doesn't yeah. get it, but we know he's going to be there eventually. <laughs> we know that's where he God. ends up. Are you okay? This sounded violent. Yes. 
that then well the second part was just me in anticipation of of Gurren Lagan to come. Oh, the yes. first part was a cough. Gotcha. <laughs> um <laughs> the yawn. That, that was a glorious noise. <laughs> I like making noises when I when I yawn because I really don't like being interrupted while I'm yawning. <laughs> So I noticed I, I pathologically will just fill the space with noise <laughs> and people are normally startled and confused enough to not interrupt me. Uh, it's gotten good results. That's why I've continued. But uh, yeah, <clears throat> I think if you were to re-edit this, which would be pointless because the movie already does it. But uh, right. you could just get rid of all the recap, get rid of almost all of this episode four, save for like the bare essentials and even then i kind of mm-hmm. wish they had reanimated it because it's such a blight how strange and out of place it suddenly looks <laughs> that that would have been so funny if like if they redid the animation for four <coughs> didn't change anything else about the episode just for the movie right yeah uh i feel like you would have really hurt that guy's feelings though <laughs> But the 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 quality of the work is so poor that I'm like, he probably needs to get a different career. It's like he probably realized after this. Yeah, maybe he needs to go back to. Uh, I don't even know what you could do with this guy. I mean, all of his keyframes are terrible, too. Like get normally him to get coffee for everybody. Oh, man, that's that. You might as well fire him. <laughs> Like, he got to direct an episode of a series and then it's like, all right, well, that went so poorly that we're never going to do that again. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I'm almost curious to find out the dude's name and see what he did afterward. But then I'm not curious enough, so I probably won't. Yeah, it's also like, well, what am I going to do? Watch him? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I will not. <laughs> I'll leave that up to some anime YouTuber to be like, hey, what did this infamous director work on? And it's like, dude. You need to eat something. You're not looking so good. <laughs> it's my reaction to every time I see an anime YouTuber on screen. It's like, are you okay? Like, <laughs> you, 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 you're looking a little sallow. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I kind of wish either four had been reanimated, or maybe just to cover it up, just like. Give episode five and six to like some first time directors and see what they do with it or like do the thing that Avatar did for The Great Divide where they did a bunch of different uh, anime directors come in and do their own style for the different perspectives. Mm -hmm. Oh, look, The Great Divide. That's a better interpretation of Rashomon. Oh. Uh, That being said, it still is kind of this unfortunate thing where it's like, yeah, but you still have this third party that's making peace between them. Whereas Rashomon, you never figure out what actually happened. You kind of have to decide, well, who do I believe? Yeah, who I believe. And then like, what would they have missed? I think you could Hmm. make a re-edit of uh, The Last Duel, actually, that would make it seem like less uh, less propagandistic. And you could still have fallible heroes that end up doing something silly. Um, mm-hmm. It could be a tragedy. But the way it's done is so just insulting. It's like, yeah, here's would it. 
<clears throat> would ha- would it have been better if they just instead of fading out to just say the truth, if they would have just kept it at the truth according to so and so? Absolutely, that would have been better. Um, like that would it, would that would that simple change right there have justified the rest of the movie? No, I mean well, when you say justify the rest of the movie, justify its existence as a movie, sure maybe because then maybe it wouldn't be propaganda. Hmm. But it, it is solidly propaganda at that point. So it's like, OK, so the first two thirds wasted my time. So this movie is now significantly worse. Um, mm-hmm. But I also think the whole Rashomon thing, it had no place in the story. They should have dropped it. You could. Mm. First of all, the movie's way too long. And the fact that it repeats multiple scenes, it's like, OK, now edit this together in chronological order. Um, Make a decision. On, on which version of these scenes you're going to use each time. Uh, decide which is your protagonist. Is it the wife or is it the, uh, the, the husband? Because Adam Driver's character can't be the hero. He's not heroic. So pick one of mm. them. Uh, there's plenty of scenes where it's just Adam Driver and his lord, who is like this scummy sleazebag character played by Ben Affleck, which I think was pretty bad casting because... He was clearly more interested in being being Ben Affleck than playing mm. the Lord character. But Adam Driver, I, it, I just am, I just imagine him talking about Pearl Harbor in the movie, and that's just not a good look. Uh, um, <laughs> I think it's really unfortunate that Adam Driver is such a good actor, and his prime is being spent in the worst generation of film of all time. But uh, it's unfair to him. But you could you could cobble together the scenes where it's like, in fact, you wouldn't have to cut a single scene per se. Just cut, cut out, pick a version of the scenes that have multiple versions. And mm-hmm. the way the, the way that you decide on which version to, to pick is you pick who your protagonist is. So you're either picking the shared scenes, you're picking either uh, the hero or, or the, the husband or the wives. And then if it's between uh, the villain and the hero, you pick the hero's version. Mm hmm. And do them in chronological order. Movie could have been a decent tragedy. But uh, nah. Just propaganda the way that they did it. And Dang. worst of all, ends up being full of filler and a complete misunderstanding of why this kind of movie works. Because Kurosawa showed you how it works and you did it deliberately wrong. Uh, but yeah. Mm. Anyway, um... Back to the Japanese being so good at things. <laughs> and, and I say that ironically because the end of episode six, it just occurs to me. They're just somewhere in the desert. So actually, yeah. episode six doesn't really get them where they need to be. Viral could have just at any point found them. Right. He doesn't even seem directly connected to the beastman that trapped them. He's just like he comes off he comes in from off off screen like he just emerges from the distance and is like all right i'm going to fight you now behold which i like how uh which i'm i'm not even being sarcastic i like how viral did this it it matches his character perfectly and it, and it fits mm-hmm. the mood that he's trying to to give off i like how he does this cool like spinning thing to introduce himself in a cloud of dust. And in the time that it took for the dust to clear, he got out of the cockpit and climbed on top of the shoulder of the gunman so he could stand there. Right. I'm like, the fact that I didn't see you do it, it doesn't undercut the fact that you did it. 
<laughs> like, like it looks great. You look great. Great way to introduce yourself. <laughs> like, I think always the problem with the Titanfall 2 boss battles was that it showed the people getting out of their cockpit to stand on top of the mech to taunt you and then scuttling back in. It was like, ah, I can't take this guy seriously. Like, this fight may be hard, but I'm already laughing at him. But if there had been a smoke to cover it up, to cover up the scene transition, would it would have been none the wiser. I, I would have taken him, taken him at his word. So even though I know exactly what happened, it's like, well, but I didn't see it. It's like, you know, you're watching a play. And, and if you just if even if you know how it happened, it's like, well, at mm-hmm. least at least you did it correctly. And I didn't see you do it. I'm so ready for Viral to become Viral. Yes. It's oh, I, <laughs> there was a part that I remembered uh, just talking about like the animation of episode six versus episode four. Yeah. There's a part when the mech is standing up that you see it get unplugged from the canyon. Did you see? Did you catch that? What? It has like a like a power cord that's like oh, plugged you're into about... an outlet in the canyon. Yeah, you the uh oh what was it? The 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 the, the gunman that they were uh they the didn't big, realize like, they were inside of. The big kettle gu- uh, gun gunman. Yeah. Cauldron. Cauldron. The yeah, cauldron gunman. Uh the 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 uh, the, the spa resort gunman but yeah I didn't catch I didn't catch the the unplugging from the canyon but that's hysterical it was great I another thing that makes this feel like unfortunately you know filler is the fact that wait this gunman is out at night I thought they couldn't do that and they're like well, this one doesn't <laughs> this is we're nocturnal oh yeah that's what it was which is basically the equivalent of saying well this one doesn't Right. Which is one of the most important things like earlier was that it's like they we know that they stick to a set of rules. They do not hunt at night. Right. It's like, OK, well, good thing the nocturnal ones didn't show up. I get that maybe they're rare, but. Uh, huh. Yeah, but it was like it was like the rules of the world is like, OK, well, they haven't showed up by like 10 o'clock today so we can go hunting. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's that's oh, I, I thought you were making like <laughs> the joke about if the teacher doesn't show up in 15 minutes, we are legally allowed to leave. <laughs> I mean, yeah, kind of inadvertently, more or less. It's the same sentiment. Uh, and then it's just uh, d- totally just uh, that rule is just thrown out the window or rather the right. consistency, the 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 veracity of that rule is kind of just, oh, well, not this one. And it's almost like maybe you shouldn't have brought that up. I almost would have taken it as, oh, well, they were in the place where they rest at night. Mm-hmm. And they lured you in like you were nearby. So they're like, OK, well, we'll do the operation at night. But we're not like we're not out patrolling because they weren't patrolling. This is not a sanctioned event. Yeah. Also, the the introduction of that old man. It's mm-hmm. really just never explained. He's kind of just a part of the group after that, even though it was yeah. like possible that maybe he was a beastman that led them there. It's like, dude, you're complicit in trying to kill me, it seems. <laughs> Except maybe it's a situation that we definitely are going to be talking about later where it's like he's leading them to a test. 
He's like mm. leading them to their future character development. But uh, we get absolutely no expansion on that for him. He's just around after a certain point. Yeah. He's my favorite of uh, Nakashima's resident old men. Yeah, he's much it, better it, than uh, Grandpa from from, <laughs> back, from era. back era. Yeah, uh, am I saying it wrong? Is it Nakashima or here? I need to. Where I think, is it? I think you're right. Is it freaking? Here we go. My anime list. We'll have it. If I'm if I'm wrong, I'm not surprised because I'm still very bad at remembering Japanese names despite everything. <laughs> Freaking, I don't care about the producers. <laughs> There's the problem with Gynax versus Trigger. Trigger, the first people you see are the directors. Gosh. What is Trigger doing right now? Aside from the, the cyberpunk thing. I think that, I mean, they just did that Star Wars short, which I still haven't seen. Did you watch it, by the way? I did. I did. Now I was I was I'm holding off saying anything until you watch it. Oh, oh, okay. It is Nakashima. Yeah. All right. I'm happy about that. I should point out um he's credited as the scriptwriter. Hmm. So this, I I don't think this was his original story. Hmm. Uh but you can definitely tell uh that he at least believed in it while he was working on it and it influenced him enough or he or maybe that was the reason he wrote the script was he was like oh i love this story mm -hmm. uh he's also credited with the series composition which i think is the only time he's ever been credited with that which is odd no he did the composition for bna and back arrow what i didn't know this he did it for kill a kill too huh what i didn't know he was a composer I mean, he is like he, he comes from theater originally. Huh? He's a man of multiple trades. He's a he's a renaissance man. Oh, uh, the one thing that I will say about the trigger Star Wars short, please watch it in Japanese. Oh, no. Is the dub it's, terrible? It's not terrible. It's just very <laughs> distracting. Who did they or did they get recognizable it, people to do it? It was it was Neil Patrick Harris and I can't remember who else was who the the girl was. Um, but for some reason it was just like it, we'll get into it. But there there's there's a particular reason that I think it rubbed me the wrong way in English and in Japanese it just kind of it, it didn't. But we'll we'll get into that when you watch it. Okay. And so, unfortunately, because of my experience with the English version, it tainted my uh, my experience with the Japanese. But oh, I feel like oh. if you if you just if you go in fresh with just the Japanese, I think you'll have a better time. With That's it. why you're not telling me is because you want to get that specific perspective. OK. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not going to suffer the rest of it. I'll probably just figure out whichever short that is and watch that one, which I think you already told me, but I forgot. I assure you. It's called The Twins. Okay. Uh, I can probably just type that in, look that up right now. But there are uh, a couple other there are a couple other good shorts. I've only watched the first four. <clears throat> Apparently there's nine. Um, I'm just but there. Are, there I, are a couple other ones that are pretty good. I just don't care about Star Wars anymore. Mm. I really don't like it's it's amazing how effective uh 
the assassination of Star Wars was. Hmm. Like it really got me to stop caring. And then just looking at the. Uh, oh, so, OK, so it was was it episode four? Because it doesn't have them titled on undisclosed website. It, it's episode three, I believe. Three. OK, I'll watch that one uh, probably right after we're done recording this. But um, yeah, no, I, I think the combination of the sequel trilogy ending up basically going nowhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the fact that. I don't know. I, I can't even be bothered to finish Clone Wars now because I've already finished Clone Wars twice, but now there's more. And the more is coming out after Star Wars has just after I've been convinced by Disney that I don't care about Star Wars. So like I can't mm. I can't even get myself to watch the new episodes of Clone Wars, which is saying something, because when season six came out, it was day of I binged the whole thing. You mean uh, season season seven? What the one that was on Netflix? I thought it was six. Oh, yeah, that was six. Okay, yeah, I didn't. I haven't seen anything since then. I haven't been able to to drag oh. myself over to watching it. Oh man, yeah, Disney really did hurt you, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, right after season six came out. Uh, Dave Filoni released the animate a- animatics of the canceled episodes. So I've seen mm-hmm. the bad batch episode in animatic form because that was how obsessed I was. Uh, mm-hmm. but now I can't even be bothered to watch the new bad batch TV show, which is the thing that I said that I wanted after watching the animatic. <laughs> yeah. Talking about drawing the eye of Sauron. We probably should wrap it up right there. <laughs> I might cut that out and people are just going to have the context of you didn't get to hear what I said. <laughs> I've been thinking, I'm like, if we ever, if I ever uh, get around to setting like a, a, a Patreon or Gumroad or something, it's like, mm-hmm. I want to keep the podcasts free, but maybe some unedited versions could be like paid for. But then again, I don't know if I want it out there at all. I, it's not, a, it's not important to me. <laughs> The eye of Sauron is uh, even a little, if, even a little fiery. Yeah, even if it's paywalled, like even if Sauron has to pay five dollars in order to see where the ring is kept, I'm sure he, I'm sure he'd still send the wraiths after me. Yeah, people, people will pay five dollars to hate you more. <laughs> Dude, that's a hundred percent true. That's definitely true. <laughs> the, the fact that there's so many people that uh, watch the <laughs> the Dave Chappelle special. And it's like, you know, oh. you had to pay for that, right? <laughs> Whereas uh, I didn't pay for it at all <laughs> because uh, Netflix is no better than Disney. So uh, I still haven't watched it. I've heard it's great. It's really funny. Uh, Imagine wanting anything more. Imagine wanting anything more from Comedy Special. I've loved all the uh, all the Dave Chappelle specials that I've seen. I think this is what the fifth or sixth. I remember the the first four all came very close together. There was like two mm-hmm. that released at the same time, then two more released at the same time, <coughs> and I think there was one that released between now and this one. But mm-hmm. they all kind of blur together as a series to me. Essentially, mm, I can't like okay. I couldn't pick out one specific bit. The, there were episodes that had their kind of their own gimmick like there was one i say episode there was one special that had the gimmick of uh either the three or the four times that dave met um oj simpson 
So that was mm. like that was a running joke for one of the specials. So I remember that only okay. existed in one. And that one was really funny because he starts to leave and close the show before he tells the last one, which he already named how many there were going to be. And then he's like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I forgot something. <laughs> and it's like the ending of that specific story just like laid me out. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. Um, I think next week is Saint Seiya, right? I believe so. Yes, we're gonna get back to the 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 part, or get back to um Saint Saint Ryuji, or whatever his name was. What is his name? I don't freaking remember. The, I don't remember. <laughs> Saint Dragon is the dragon guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, he is the current by far best part and best protagonist in the show. Right, uh, and because the because fight Seiya is just hanging off a cliff. Yeah, the fight we were sold on is like, okay, well, that's that's now the reason I'm I'm coming back. Mm -hmm. uh, and then after that, I'm thinking we're sticking with that lost star at least for now, right? Oh yeah, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, okay, good, good, good. Then then we know what we're doing. We don't have to do any thinking. In fact, I was like, uh, the other day I was itching to watch more Outlaw Star and it took some serious. Oh, I am terribly <laughs> sorry. Serious lockdown. I'm terribly sorry. See, I, it's hard for me, too, but I've already seen it, so it can only be so hard for me. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, yeah, I can't remember what was going to happen. I'll, I'll let myself be satisfied with that. Uh, I have <laughs> noticed, and I think I said that this was going to happen. Uh, Firefly and Outlaw Star have gotten me back into shoot 'em ups. <laughs> Because it's like, mm. oh, cool ship in space. It's like, yeah, I want that in video game form. Yeah, we, <sighs> we, we can wrap this up. Uh, remember, killing yeah. people is bad. Yeah, don't do genocides or cover them up. Yeah. <laughs> Again. <laughs> drawing the Iron Siren probably shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> I have to cut out the very ending itself. See you all next time. <laughs>